1: This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus, with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. So glad to have you on the first day of our new schedule here on the Shepherd Radio Network. Mike Gilland with you, and Afternoons with Mike now heard at 105, and all to make room for the Dave Ramsey Show, The Ramsey Show as it is known, starting after this program is over. If you're listening, that is at one o'clock. And of course, we replay each evening at six. So thanks for joining us on this first day of this new schedule that we have here on The Shepherd. I've got a guest with me in the studio that's been with me before, at least once. I'm thinking maybe twice. David Welday is a publisher He is uh, an author as well. He's written a couple of books that I've got in my hand, Shaping Your Family Story, and also a book that's brand new called The Winning Mindset, How to Approach People, Problems, and Situations and Come Out on Top. Now, that is a winner. That sounds great. David Welday, welcome to my program. From your mouth
0: to God's ears, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I pray. I uh-huh. mean, you know, you, you think about it, that's a great expression. Every time we pray, that is exactly what happens. Yep. Well, and our goal
0: is to let our words be in alignment with his will and uh, desires for us.
1: You know, David, I met you a number of years ago, uh, and this, you know, the pandemic kind of shaped our, our past four years, and, sure. and it still does to some degree, thankfully, not as affecting uh, as it was back in the day. But boy, uh, I remember the first time you spoke at the Christian chamber. And you spoke that day on leaving kind of a legacy for your family. It's, it was built on this, talking about, I think you might have used that title, Shaping Your Family Story, the day you talked. And I was you had me, man. It, the hooks that you were giving in this this book uh, bits of wisdom, bits of advice for families. It it was just, it was so refreshing. And we don't hear a lot about that today, do we? No, not too much. It's interesting because if you
0: speak on relationships, you can sell a lot of books because, um, let's be honest, women want more attention and guys want more sex and they think they're going to get both if they, uh, but on parenting, most moms and dads, in my opinion, feel already overwhelmed and a little bit um, insecure about, I must be messing up my kids. I must not be doing this right. And so even though they would long for some encouragement, some coaching, some support in their parenting, they don't often seek it out for fear of, okay, it's I'm just gonna get guilted into what I'm not yeah. doing or I have to add more to my plate and I'm already feeling overwhelmed. And so yeah. uh, I I wanted to write something that was very judgment-free, very freeing to say, listen, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the very best we can. And let's be honest, none of us parent perfectly. None of us. And even if you did, your kids still aren't going to come out perfect. Uh, So that's right. Give yourself some grace, some space to breathe. Uh, But that doesn't mean that there aren't some keys, some cues, some things we could do that would help, uh,
1: you know, be more effective in our parenting. I think a lot of parents today are just out of gas. In their, li- their hearts, their lives, mm-hmm. and, you know, the culture, the the stuff that they're hearing. I mean, let's face it. Young parents today, they're facing things that I did not face as a young dad or you would have as, because mm-hmm. we're not far from the same age. I don't know exactly how, I crossed the big 70 mark. Oh, come on. I'm 29 now, right? Oh, right, we're, right. This is radio, so I can get away <laughs> with that, right? <laughs> That's right. But I know that you're, you've got seven grandkids it's when we began this process, things, I mean, a boy was a boy, a girl was a girl. There were no questions about that. Well, at least not very many questions about it back in the day. Now, a lot of young people today, they're being told stuff at school that just wouldn't would have gotten the teachers in serious hot water back in that day. And yet today, that's not the world in which we live.
0: Well, and I think
1: it's important that uh, as parents, that
0: we instill in our kids a sense of their value and their worth and where does that value and that worth come from and give them that safe sense of safety and security so that no matter what the cultural uh, storms are brewing, whatever happens to be the issues, they yeah. have the ability to process those things from a biblical perspective and from a healthy perspective. So you and i don't know what are going to be the issues i i suspect neither one of us would have ever dreamed or guessed that we'd be having questions about gender identity at Not this at stage all. and we have no idea what's going to be coming down the road in four or five years so how can we coach and equip our kids to handle whatever comes at yeah. them with the right mindset with the right perspective
1: I agree. And that's what we're going to be talking about in this program today. We're going to be going through some of the things that I believe that David has not only come up, you've, God's given you not only wisdom in your own life, but I think there's a big difference in how you've been able to take that wisdom. You know, not everybody can turn around and then funnel it out the way you have, you've articulated it so effectively in your books and in in your life and in your publishing. And that's I, I want to hear all about that as well.
0: Well, packaging is everything. I call it the pie principle. <laughs> packaging is everything. So, for example, you could write a book on relationships, but there are hundreds of books written on relationships. But John Gray wrote a book called uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, or maybe the other way around. And it became a bestseller. Did he have anything new to say that hadn't been said before? Maybe not. But the way he said it yeah. captured attention. It you did. Know, Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield wrote a, a nice devotional book, but how many thousands of devotional books have been written? But theirs has become a brand, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Yeah. So if you're trying to share parenting advice, how can you do so in a way that people can grasp what I felt like the Lord gave me were five core principles that I call reflecting, directing, correcting, protecting, and connecting. And so the book is really built around those <laughs> five Principles of Reflecting, Directing, Correcting, Protecting, and Connecting.
1: I just feel like this was a holy moment when well, you said that right there, man. That's amazing.
0: Well, and and uh, initially, I wanted to title the book Winning Parent because as a boomer, I thought, well, who doesn't want to win? Yeah. But when we started sharing that with younger parents, most of them felt like that title, Winning Parent, felt judgmental and they couldn't live up to that. And I thought, well, I'm a marketer, so I know you don't title a book in a way that your audience doesn't connect with. And then we discovered that, you know, there are five elements to every story, plot, character, setting, theme, and conflict. And so when we took those five elements of a story and lined them up with those five core oh, parenting principles of reflecting, directing, correcting, protecting, and connecting, that's really where the book Shaping Your Family Story, how imperfect parents create hope and promise for their children, how that came about.
1: Wow. I, my mind is blown, David. I mean, the, the, your ability, again, that's what I was talking about a well while ago. Not everybody has the ability to turn around and articulate what you just did, but I was, I'm i sitting here watching you. There's no notes in front of you. This is embedded in your DNA, and it's coming right out of your heart, and that's what you do, and I, that's why I'm grateful that I've got you up here in the studio because this is good stuff. And I think anyone listening to this program, you, they've already caught. Now you had five things that you mentioned principles and five things that uh, are a part of every plot. I mean, how in the world did thou all of that come to you? Where did you get that?
0: Uh, it, It sounds too spiritual, but I don't know any other way to say that I was literally sitting in church during a, praise and worship time. And I felt like those five core principles sort of just, it was like a heavenly download. And I remember writing them down. And then from there, that became the outline for the book. And then along the way, I felt like, you know, Dave, you don't have enough initials after your name. You don't have any street cred as a, as a relational or a family or a parenting expert. So you need a partner. And so I reached out to Dr. James Cofield, who is a gifted psychologist and had uh, was very well respected in that area of parenting and relationships. And so I invited him to co-author the book with me. Mm-hmm. And so then James and I went on this journey of he started pouring all of his insights as a professional into it with within the structure that I felt like the Lord gave me. And that's how the book came about. So that's uh-huh. why it's actually co-authored by myself and Dr. James Cofield, because he's got the smarts. I had some insights, but... Uh, He brought a whole level of professional expertise and excellence to it that I could never have done.
1: Well, I'm pretty convinced that you would have done a great job by yourself, but I know that uh, collaborations like that really bring... A a new feel, a new flavor in the writing and in the information download. But uh, I I think that was a download from God that those five things when that hit your mind, isn't it wonderful when the Lord speaks to our hearts like that and we go, "Ooh, I got to write that down." Absolutely, because there were some things that um,
0: I didn't actually get, uh, but came to me as we were working through this. So, for example, in the the area of directing, you realize that the gods perspective on our parenting is very different from the culture. So in the culture, it's very common to say, you know, you can be anything you want to be. And that sounds very normal. We want our kids to be empowered to be whatever they want to be. But I realize I'm not raising, I didn't raise my sons to be whatever they wanted them to be. I believe that Psalm 139 talks about all the days ordained for you were written in God's book before one of them came to be. So there is a way in which God is called your son or your daughter to go, and your job as a parent is to partner with God to discern what is the way. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with what they're going to do for a living, but how can they begin to discover their own unique place in this world, their own identity, and how can you parent them in that way? And Mm -hmm. so the mindset of directing is there is a way in which your son or daughter are called to go. So you can ask God, be bold to ask God to get say, Lord, show me a measure of the way in which you've called my son or daughter to go so that I can be proactive in parenting them in that way, which is different from the cultural norm of, hey, be whatever you want to be. Yeah. So I wasn't raising my kids to do that. I wanted to raise them from their youth with the idea of there is a way and I'm going to pers- my life is going to be to pursue that because that's where significance, purpose, and joy is found is when your life aligns with that divine yeah. design that God had for you.
1: Now God's will, we've we've heard that we we pray and that God would have his his will be done. I mean, that's part of our prayers. It's certainly part of the Lord's prayer. What happened do you think in the church or in the families in the church in years that would have caused them to kind of lose sight of that and kind of drift off if you will, devolve into this Idea of I'm going to raise my kids to let them do whatever they want to do, as opposed to I want to instill in my children a desire to be who God wants them to be.
0: I'm not that's a bigger issue and a bigger question than I'm qualified to answer, but I would say that I have observed that there is something of an unholy or unhealthy not unholy, but an unhealthy separation that. I see too many believers that say, here's my spiritual life over here on one hand, Mm -hmm. and then here's my, quote, real life for the rest of my life over here. But God didn't design us that way. I mean, your soul, your spirit, your body are all beautifully and inextricably woven together, and you can't separate them out, and yet we try to separate our spiritual life from our secular or our worldly life in ways that God never intended, so... I think part of our call is as to how can I go through every aspect of my day, every relationship, every conversation from getting dressed in the morning to the decisions I make at work and to where I'm going to go to school. Everything is all holistically. How does God want to use me and what is his will for me in the midst of this? So stop Uh trying to separate out spiritual things from our everyday or our secular things, and yet see them all woven together. I I, think that's just a better way to live.
1: I think it's the great way to live Mm -hmm. to do that. And, you know, this whole thing of the spiritual and the secular, we've got that so Mm -hmm. separated out. And of course, a lot of that is by design. Our culture is trying to get us to uh, really separate God from our mm-hmm. lives, <laughs> period. And and yet we believers, we've got to hang on strong. And I, I would disagree with you on one thing. I think you are qualified to speak to it. And I <laughs> think you, you just gracious? did a <laughs> wonderful thing. Now we're going to get to a lot of what David's uh, activities are in next segment. But I do want to touch on the fact that you are the lead of, you're the principal, the president of Higher Life Publishing and Marketing. Again, there's a lot to that story and the origin of how you started that company off and how you even got into this whole thing in the beginning in the first place, moving to Florida. I want to hear that in our next segment. But tell us a little bit about Higher Life Publishing and Marketing.
0: Well, if you're interested in publishing a book, there's really three different publishing models that you can consider. There's traditional publishing, which is where you typically have to get a literary agent who shops you to a a New York publishing agency or a firm. And the publisher says, you know what, Mike, we think your message is so amazing that we're going to invest 100% of our money to get your book artfully, creatively, yeah. professionally developed and published. So you're gonna to have to assign your publishing rights to us, which isn't unreasonable if they're gonna invest all the money, and then we'll give you a royalty on the, the books that we sell. Not a bad model. The problem is, is that you can write an amazing book on prayer or on how to retire early if nobody knows who you are, you're never going to get that traditional publishing deal. Whereas Denzel Washington or Kim Kardashian could come along and want to do the same book. And their book might not be one, two, three, as good as yours, but they'll get that traditional publishing deal because the publisher isn't really buying their message as much as they're buying access to their audience. So the challenge is with traditional publishing, you largely aren't going to get that deal unless you are on the radio or on television or speaking around the country that you have a a sizable enough platform to garner the attention of a, of a publisher Mm -hmm. on the other end of the spectrum, you've got self-publishing, which is just what it is. You do it all yourself and there are hundreds of self-publishing organizations that will charge you a fee um, to package and publish and put out your book. Problem that I see there, I kind of call it the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am crowd, because they'll charge you a fee and it's what you don't know that will stumble you. So you end up buying a package and maybe you don't get enough editing or enough development or enough strategy or enough distribution or all of the things that are critical in becoming successful because those weren't offered to you or weren't available or those were up charges Mm -hmm. and nobody told you. So when I got involved, I thought there's gotta be a, a, a middle ground between the quality of development that traditional publishers can do, but they're inaccessible to self-publishing, which is accessible to anybody, but typically the quality isn't there or the strategy or the development. So we created this hybrid model that acts much more like traditional publishing in terms of the quality of work we do, the distribution, the marketing, but our authors, they have some financial skin in the game, but they also own all their rights. And so we feel like it for not everybody, but for a lot of people, it's the best of both
1: worlds. Yeah. And that's well said. I think it is something that uh, is reminiscent for me of the music business when home studios started happening and there was this notion, and it's, it was true on one hand that anyone at thou, now, you don't have to go to Nashville to record a really nice piece of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could do it in your home with the equipment, it's affordable, but that doesn't mean just because it's affordable that it's going to be good music.
0: Right. Or that it gets nationwide airplay exactly. or any of the things that get gives you the gravitas to break through.
1: Yeah, I agree. And so th- that is really a carryover principle that what you're talking mm-hmm. about now, you still need to have something that's good, it's got to be something that is let's say desired mm-hmm. because people will not read it if they if they don't want to read it. If it doesn't catch their eye, they're not going to see it. They're not going to read it. And there are books laying on shelves and maybe in closets and boxes <laughs> that are really good books, but they just never were put out there. So that that what you're talking about is an interesting middle ground between the traditional and between the self-publishing, and a lot of people can come and get a uh, maybe uh, some advice from you on that. It's called Higher Publishing, Higher Life Publishing and Marketing. We've got just enough time in this segment. Give us that website, and we'll come back to that at the end.
0: Yes, it's a higherlife.com, a h i g h e r l i f e.com, and I offer a free book consultation because relationships are important to us. So everything begins with a conversation. I'm not trying to pitch anybody on anything. I just want to talk to them and hear their story and then give them good free advice, whether they publish with us or not. So everything begins with a free consultation and we would make that available to anyone.
1: Well, good offer from David Wellday III. He's my guest today and we'll be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike on The Shepherd pastors, and financial leaders. Do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions?
0: Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call
1: 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando, offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. With me in the studio today is David Wellday. He is the owner and president. I guess that's your title, right? President? Is that what you... Chief cook and bottle washer or something like that. Of Higher Life Publishing and Marketing. And he has a, a long history. And I know a little bit about it from just talking with him before we began the program. I did not know that he was from the Chicagoland area originally. So were you born and raised up in that area?
0: No, uh, my father worked for Chevrolet Motor Division and they transferred their execs around the country. So when people ask, where am I from, I'm never quite sure how to answer that because I was raised largely in the Midwest, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. What part of Indiana? Um, Indianapolis and Logansport. Um, and so, that. and my wife was born and raised in South Bend, Indiana, but I don't really have a hometown because we probably moved 10, 11 times growing up. So, uh, the concept of where are you from? I never quite know how to answer that.
1: That's a, that's a common thing mm-hmm. with the, in this day and age, a sure. lot of military children had the same thing because they, they, they were called the military brats because they were kind of moved all over the place with that, but I'm from Evansville, Indiana. Okay. And I was born and raised there and I stayed there till I was 32. So that kind of is my hometown. Although when we moved to Orlando, Orlando became home. Yeah. I've lived here longer than I've lived
0: anywhere. I think we moved down here from the Chicagoland area in 81. So all of my kids have a very different experience in that they were yeah. all born and raised here in central Florida
1: and what a life it was for them. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. My kids loved growing up mm-hmm. in Orlando and they, yeah. uh, they, they loved the lakes. We had a boat back in the day and went skiing and, and uh, boating on the St. John's river and all of that stuff. So they have that, all that in their memory. And that's awesome. Yeah. That was a lot of fun time, but uh, man, I tell you, you moved down here and, to be part of something that I did not know this connection until earlier today, that you moved down, not just to be a publisher, not just to be an author, but you worked with Charisma Magazine for Correct. a Correct. Uh, I was actually working for another magazine up in the
0: Wheaton, uh, Illinois area called Christian Life Magazine. Yes. And Steve Strang, uh, who is the owner and founder of Charisma Magazine, had just done a leverage buyout of the magazine from a church locally here, Calvary Assembly, where it was started and he was looking for a director of marketing. So he recruited me and that's really what brought my wife and I down to Florida. Uh, and so I was his first uh, paid director of marketing and and so in the early years I worked with Steve to help shepherd yeah. the growth of Charisma Magazine. Uh, I think at one point we reached a quarter million paid circulation. So circulation marketing and uh, was what I did And then uh, Steve and Joy, the owners, wanted to start a curriculum publishing division. And so I was tapped to head that up. And it was interesting because all the time that I was working in magazines, it's like, this is great, but, you know, this is just a job. But when I got involved with working with young people with kids, I felt like God just opened my head and heart and poured his vision into me. And I thought I was, this is why God made me wild and crazy. I was made to work with kids. And so we started doing very innovative uh, children's ministry and youth ministry programs and conferences and curriculum. So I did that all through the nineties and had a blast with that. And then there was some transition within uh, charisma, what's now called charisma media. And I became the publisher of their book publishing group. And that's really what got me into book publishing Uh, And so I had a wonderful 23-year career at uh, Charisma uh, Media with uh, the Strang's where I worked on magazines, I worked on books, and I worked on curriculum. So then I left and hung out my own shingle and started Higher Life in 2004 and have been doing that ever since.
1: Wow, that's quite a story. Now, when you go back and you think of the early days, you were, as a part of Charisma, you were seeing what God was doing. You know, in this whole thing, the the charisma was like the mouthpiece for the charismatic movement back in the day. What was that like for you to come in at that time where all of these churches were kind of coming around and they, they were like, we want to know what God's doing through the spirit of God. What was that like for you to come into that stream?
0: Well, I was incredibly blessed because, again, when you're part of anything with media, uh, that's attractive. People want to be involved in media because everybody wants to be interviewed. And so we had opportunity to get a front row seat to seeing what God was doing in the earth. Um, certainly within the United States, uh, through that whole charismatic renewal. um, It's not the only stream of the body of Christ that God was blessing, but it certainly was one of them. And so we had an opportunity to just experience a lot, see a lot, meet a lot of really wonderful people. Um, And as I look back, I'm so blessed because I was exposed to so many wonderful people, and uh, again, front row seat to see what God yeah. was doing. And then interestingly enough, uh, when I left and I uh, got opened some doors for me to do some work for some other ministries like the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Yeah, just
1: a small little name there. Yeah, And yeah. I started to yeah. realize,
0: oh my gosh, there are other streams. It's still the river of God, but there are other streams yeah. and tributaries of God's blessing. And a lot of times they don't talk to each other all that much. But again, so I've had the, the joy, the blessing to just see what God is doing in so many different facets of his kingdom and his church and his body uh, and different uh, pockets of where God is blessing.
1: Man, I've got to have you back up again. Like, uh, Let's just go ahead and book out like every couple of months, man. You got to come back. This is too much fun. David Welday, when you came to Florida in that, uh, what you said, two thousand four, I think you said. Uh,
0: well, I came in eighty one. I'm sorry, and eight, then I started 81. higher life in, in two thousand. That's
1: when you started Correct. that. When you came back in eighty one, again going back for a minute to your your roots there, the the move of God. What what were your memories about working for Charisma and articulating stories about what was happening? What what angle do you remember writing about in those early times?
0: Well, the key is story. People connect to stories. I believe that story is the language of the culture. People may not remember the seven points of your sermon or your talk, but they'll remember the story that you told. And so when I uh, started my own publishing company, I wanted to be involved in helping people share stories. That impact lives. Um, um, and so, in fact, the tagline of our company is We help our clients experience the thrill of making a difference because I do believe that story connects us. <laughs>
1: You're a true um, marketer, my so, friend. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like that. So, uh, and as you think of it, I can remember uh, having opportunities to listen to gifted leaders who were parts of renewal and revival meetings. They would come to Charisma and they'd minister to our staff. And so we would have some front some opportunities to have personal ministry. And I remember- Like
1: Derek Prince and people any like of that. of those.
0: I, there was one time I remember where everybody uh, was getting slain in the spirit, and I was like, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to do that stuff. And the next thing you know, I was on the ground. and and um, But what God said or what God spoke to me in that moment has impacted my life Yeah. Decades later. And so and I can think back on just seeing different people, meeting different people, having that opportunity to see how that adds to your life. I mean, your life is a, um, a, a building up of all these different experiences. And frankly, that's as a parent, that's one of the things we're trying to give to our kids is. Uh, different opportunities, different experiences that can be life-changing and shaping for them too.
1: You know, God used charisma. I mean, back, I did not know in the 80s when I was in Indiana and we moved down here in 85. Mm-hmm. So you were already doing this. We're reading your works. We're reading what you were doing and really learning and growing from it back all the way through those years, all the way up to the point. Because again, I met Steve String in 1985, okay. he spoke at a breakfast meeting that I was down visiting my friend, Danny Jones. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, this would have been probably might've even been before 85. Now that I think about it might've been, uh, either earlier that year or in 84. And Steve spoke uh, over off of Lee road. And I, I uh, at some restaurant that, He was, uh, they were having a men's meeting and I was so taken back by the fact that God was doing something that was so exciting and so new and so different in the world that there was now this young magazine that was talking about the stories of living the spirit filled life. And it was so fresh and powerful. And all of these speakers were, it seemed like everyone was coming to Orlando back in that day. You had a lot of ministers, pastors that were all coming in and being interviewed by this this magazine.
0: At the end of the day, I believe God has more for us than we can possibly imagine. And so what can we do, you and I, to put ourselves in a position where we're open to receiving, to hearing from, to embracing what god has for you because he wants to do the bible talks about in ephesians exceedingly abundantly above yeah. and beyond all that you could ask or think and so can we live lives with open hands and open hearts to receive what god has for us and because it's life tends to close in on you and so i think life It's you you get in survival mode. You just want to, I just want to get through the day. I just want to get through the week. I want to make this next meeting. I want to meet this next deadline. And so it's easy to somehow get closed off to the possibilities of what God would do and say. And so, what can we do to keep our hearts, our minds, our eyes open, live wide awake, if you will, to the possibilities of what God could do in and through you? And so. Um, cause I don't think your faith rises above the level of your expectation. So if over time you've allowed your expectation of life to, to settle yeah. or to lessen, then you stop looking for the opportunities. And I think God, this might be a word of the Lord for somebody out there that God says, lift the Bible talks about lift your vision high. You've yeah. settled for a small place yeah. when God has a large place for you. When Lot left, I think it was Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, God said, I want you to settle in a place that translated a large place. And Lot argued with God and said, oh, no, that's too much for me. I'll just take this small place. God ultimately let Lot have what he desired. But why would we settle for a small place when God has something larger, something bigger for us? Let's take opportunity, maybe even through this conversation that you and I are having to say, Lord God, open up my heart. I've settled for less than your best, less than what's possible. Restore within me a renewed vision for what's possible in and through my life.
1: Yeah. You know, the beautiful thing about doing that is is it, it's never too late to be awakened from that point. And I pray that there are people who are listening that might have been victim. Uh, They might've fallen victim. They didn't intend on kind of getting closed up, but we have a lot of uh, people, David, in this culture that are just, they're locked down more than they realize they are. Their faith has maybe shrunk a little bit. Their Mm -hmm. eyes are off the Lord in ways that they, they probably don't perceive, but yet it's not too late for them if they come back and get the spirit of god awakening them i think it's it can happen at any age
0: listen i'm holding a phone in my hand and if i can get lost and no matter how lost i am if this gps can get me back on course do you not think god the creator of the universe no matter how far you've strayed from your potential that he, because he's a redeemer, that's who he is, that's mm-hmm. his character, that's his nature. He can't restore you, redeem you, and bring you back to a place of, of fruitfulness uh, greater than you can imagine.
1: I agree with you completely. And that's our prayer. And maybe like David said in a moment, uh, a moment ago, when he talked about the fact that maybe you're listening to this, and this is actually going to end up being uh, a real trigger, uh, a word of the Lord for you to say, hey, I need to get back on track. I need to ask God freshly, what is his will for me? And that's really what happened to you in 1981 when God was moving in you and all of this move to Florida happened. You suddenly found yourself in the middle of God's will, whether you realized it was that gonna be that middle when you made the move or not, but you were right smack where God wanted you. And that's
0: the key is is I didn't know yeah. the, the scope of, of all that was ahead of me and what God was planning. And you don't either. And so the reality is, is go with it, flow with it, be looking for God to move in the midst of your day-to-day, your everyday. And, and because if you're waiting for some hope heavenly sign to open up
1: the choir. It
0: doesn't always work (laughs) that way. So take the next step forward and, and trust God for the next step after that.
1: You know, a funny story. I'll tell you this, David, when we were leaving Orlando the first time to move to Gainesville, Uh, uh, there was a day that I went in wanting that kind of a shining light Mm -hmm. moment with God and wanting him to kind of just make this epiphany for me. Mm -hmm. And I I was, I was like, God, is this your will? I, I need to know, can you send your holy angels? So I'm over at Metro Life Church in the building that we had built. It was a new building. We'd been in it only a year and a half at that point. And I knew because I was the last one there that night, I was getting ready to lock up and head home. It's about, it was in the, it was in the winter time, so it was darker earlier. It was already turning dark. Inside that auditorium was pitch black. I knew it'd be pitch black. And so I, I said, Lord, I'm going to go down the ramp into that auditorium. It's just nothing but darkness. Please let an angel give me an epiphany and let me see whether it's your will or not. I walked down, it was pure dark, and I, I was looking, my eyes, are, and all of a sudden I thought, He's not going to do it. That's not his will. When all of a sudden I began to realize I am seeing a small light and I looked up and it was an exit sign saying Mm -hmm. exit, (laughs) exit. And it was an orange. It looked orange. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. So I'm thinking, okay, blue, here we go. Blue and orange. Gainesville is the plan. Wasn't quite as dramatic it as was, you thought. It but... wasn't the epiphany <laughs> I expected. And it was really more funny. I just laughed out loud. Sure. I thought, Lord, you have a sense of humor, but it we don't know. I had no way of knowing how much I was going to enjoy the next 17 years of my life in Gainesville. I never saw mm-hmm. it coming. I never expected to, to like it like I did, but it was the plan for me. And uh, he uses things like that in our lives, doesn't he? Yep. That we find ourselves in the middle of his will. Yeah, we want a beacon a mile down
0: the road, but yet the scripture says that he's a light into our feet. And so it's like I would like a little bit more headli- uh, uh, headlight, a yeah. little bit more awareness of where I'm going. And sometimes all I have is, Lord, let me be faithful to get dressed this morning and go out and and serve you, yeah. and with my art and my, my art, my eyes and my heart wide open for what you will do with me today. That's and right. If you're faithful in those little things, that creates the environment where God can then speak in more dramatic ways.
1: And that's what He's doing with you, my friend, David Welday higher life publishing and marketing and uh, an author of the books. We're going to talk about a few of those books in a moment, as well as uh, maybe if any of this has triggered some interest in you about you becoming a writer, you becoming an author that is published. We're going to hear about that as well. From David Wellday, this is Afternoons with Mike The time has gone by too quickly because I really enjoy not only the stuff that David Welday is talking about in his own life, his own experiences, but the ministry value of what we were talking about in that last segment, I believe is very powerful. We need to trust God. We need to ask God. We need to say, Lord, show me. Uh, Maybe it won't be an epiphany like what I was talking about. Maybe it's just an exit sign. Maybe it's a little thing that happens in the middle of the day. Maybe it's a simple, you know, I get the idea that maybe that's what Elijah was looking for. You know, you, you know, we want to see uh, the, we want to see the lightning. We yeah, want the the to have the wind, the storm, as opposed all that. to the
0: still small voice. But right? that
1: still small voice mm-hmm. is as much God and all the God that we need. If that's God speaking, that's so, still small voice. So the voice. question is, what can you do? What can I do? What can we do to
0: develop how many times did Jesus say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, or I only do the things I see my father doing. So how can we develop those spiritual ears, that spiritual sensitivity to be aware of when God is working, when God is yeah. moving, when God is speaking, because he is, but sometimes the, the, the busyness of life, the pressures of life are such that uh, it just sort of clouds our vision and we miss it. And so what can we do? to develop that tenderness to God's voice so that we're at least aware of, huh, I'm not sure, but I think maybe this is God speaking to me.
1: And That's... you know, if that happens through not only the Bible, obviously the Bible needs to be something devotionally that we read, not just uh, for the purpose, let's say of teaching a class. If you're a Sunday school teacher or whatever, we need to have devotional reading. This morning I was in uh, the uh, last chapter of Ecclesiastes. I've really enjoyed that. And the metaphors that Solomon was using there in that last Uh, chapter really spoke to my heart this morning. And I'm thinking about that. But now in addition to the Bible, we have this, and that's what you do. You are a book publisher. We have all of these wonderful books and people in this day and age, it's almost like it's a forgotten thing with a lot of people. They don't read like they used to read because we have all these other forms of entertainment now, right?
0: Well, for whatever reason, being a published author still carries a significant amount of weight. Uh, I, I just got back from a conference recently. And as you would imagine, anytime you go to a conference, they always have sort of a goodie bag that's filled with all kinds of flyers oh, yeah. and, and tchotchkes and, and, and brochures and things. None of those things will make it home, will make it into my briefcase to get home. But if somebody puts a book in that bag, Mm-hmm. I guarantee you the book will come home because people don't throw away books. Even I just went to Goodwill and there were some some books that I haven't looked at in years and years. I didn't throw them away, but I donated them to Goodwill. In other words, books have a weight, have a value that people just don't throw them away. You can write a magazine article and it's good until the next issue comes out. You can write a podcast or you can record a podcast or a blog article. It's great till the next issue comes out. But books carry a weight and they have a shelf life that just doesn't go away yeah. for a long time. So, if you're whether you're the pastor of a church or you're a, a, a counselor or a coach and you have insights or inspiration or stories that you want to share, when you publish that in book format, it can go places beyond where you can imagine and can go places that you can't go. So, that's part of the value to me of book publishing is that in this culture being a published author books still carry weight and people don't throw books away yeah
1: even with the Amazon impact that mm-hmm. that company brought I mean it changed didn't it? Sure now do you think that there's been a slight shift back to printed books over things like what happened with Amazon when they came out with look reading it on the tablet and all of that that kind of reading?
0: I don't know if it's a shift back, but it's never left. There will always be people who want to hold a book in their hands versus they, the Kindle. Yeah. And they appreciate the tactile holding it, flipping the page. They want to hold something in their hands. And so, uh, in fact, the publishing industry were predicting the demise of the printed book long, long time ago. And printed books are as popular as ever. Now, in addition to printed books, we have ebooks. And so I just finished reading a, a book that I read on my phone. It was an ebook. I didn't buy the printed book. So in addition to publishing a message in print, we also do it in ebook. And then how many of those things can be developed into an online course or something that I can get uh, through teachable.com or on, on the web? Or, And so my view is, is that we want to produce messages that are transformative that make a difference in people's lives. I frankly don't care what the format is, whether it's an audio book or an ebook or a printed book or an online course. Um it, it doesn't matter to me. It's the message. I just want to make the message as available to people in the formats that they want.
1: Okay. Now so with that and to that point, if there's somebody out there, you mentioned earlier a pastor. Mm-hmm. And we know the pastor's they, they write something every week and they're, they're preparing a message. If there's a pastor that's wanting to take, let's say a series on the book of Ephesians, for example, Mm -hmm. and they've done that, they've done the writing, it's their stuff. They haven't just copied and pasted from other writers. How will that pastor go about judging his own writing as to whether or not that would be something that would be fodder for a new book?
0: My thought is don't try to judge it yourself because you're too close to it. So, But that's why we always like to have a conversation with people. So if there's somebody out there that has thought, or maybe you've had friends say, you know, you really ought to put that in a book format, just schedule a free consultation with us because Mm. um, don't strain over how it should be crafted and how long it should be or what format. Let's just have a conversation because you... If particularly as a pastor, you have a built-in audience and they'll hang on your every word right up until the time they hit the church parking lot. Then their phones go off and the kids are screaming for lunch and things happen and the moment is gone. So there's high impact, but for a very short period of time. But mm-hmm. if you took that same message and published it in a book, now it's not confined to just your audience. Where can that message go? And if you think about it, think of the environment when people are reading a book. It's typically a solitary time. They're sitting at home or before they go to bed or when they get up in the morning or whenever it is. And so there's quiet moments where the Holy Spirit can speak and, and minister to you and write into your own soul. And so the environment in which people are reading, doesn't matter whether they're reading on a, an e-book or a printed book, or if they're on the treadmill listening to an audio book, it's still a solitary environment where the Holy Spirit can speak to them through your message. And so how can we help you get that message into more people's hands to have more kingdom impact?
1: So how do they need to send you like a a one chapter or do you prefer where people who are wanting to be judged and, and evaluated? Should they send you a number of chapters? What's the best?
0: I would say there is no best. If you already have a manuscript, just email me a Word document of the manuscript and we'll schedule a time to talk about it. If you don't have a manuscript, but you just have an idea, um, I've got a free resource I'd send you on Steps to Writing a Book that will just give you a simple way to start by creating an outline, and that outline can become the chapter summary of your book. Isn't that and something? then we can go from there. I, I think... The biggest thing I would say to anyone out there is that writing a book is not nearly as overwhelming um, and all-consuming as you think it might be. And so whether we just need to give you some very simple strategies on how you can craft that message um, or whether you want to partner with us, we have a Talk Your Book program to where we can get you on Zoom and we'll just interview you like you're doing me and we'll turn that into a manuscript or we can uh, actually bring in a professional writer, a ghost writer, to interview you. So there's lots yeah. of different ways to get the message out of you uh, that doesn't have to involve you taking hours of time writing it if that's just not where you are in your time frame and your schedule.
1: It's pretty safe to say, is it not, that a lot of the big, well-known names in ministry uh, perhaps did not sit down with pen and pencil and paper and write that book, it was really more uh, maybe extracted from the audio messages that they've preached. Would that be accurate? Sure.
0: Uh, There's a difference between
1: being a writer and being an author. So you might
0: have an amazing message on 52 ways to retire early or keys to hearing God's voice, whatever the, the subject might be. It's your message, and so you're the author of that message. You ah. may or may not be the person who physically wrote that message, but whether we bring in a ghostwriter or whether we recorded you and transcribed it, however we got the your information, your message transcribed and into something that we can then shape and craft into a meaningful and marketable book, um, you're still the author. It's still your words. It's still your message, um, and it's still your name on the cover because— It's yours. That's got to
1: make you feel great when you've got a new guy. Let's say he's a brand new author and he submitted this work. However, it was written, whether he did it, whether a ghostwriter wrote it, but then you've seen through the process and that becomes a printed book. That's got to be pretty cool, right? It's
0: very cool. And it's exciting to see something. I'm a creative person. So to see something that was I know has ministered or helped or encouraged other people. Now being put into a form and a format that can go farther beyond where my own voice, where my own influence, can take it, um, because that's again, you, every one of us has a sphere of influence. But how can we leverage your connections and and the the connections that we have to get your message to a wider audience? uh, than you have directly or for yourself.
1: What's been, if we could uh, maybe give me a one minute answer on this one, what's been one of the authors that, uh, you were most surprised about that the, uh, the message came and it had a, a bigger impact than you could have thought.
0: Um, it depends that that's, I, I wish I had a quick answer for you on that. I've, I've got a a precious author, Roberta Damon, who um, lives in Virginia. I think she's 85 years old, Mm. doesn't travel, doesn't speak other than she does local Bible studies. And she's published multiple books with us. And, And you'd be think she's just there doing local Bible studies. And yet she's been very successful with that. And then we other, we have other authors, Dr. Bill Winston, who's on television all the time. And who can publish with any publisher that he wants, he's done books with us because he likes to own his rights and he likes the time frame and the quality of the ways that we do that. So we have, you know, authors you've never heard of. We've had authors who are well-known. Um, we have authors that deal with very timely issues. We've got a book right now called Made in the USA, The Sex Trafficking of America's Children, which right now, all of a sudden that book is has got so much oh, relevance yeah a lot of traction um, i would think because of what's happening in the media yeah. that we're all seeing these yeah. days and so lots of different stories from unheralded unheard of authors that have had tremendous impact by their story and other well-known people that um, chose to publish for different reasons so mm. it's it's all over all over the board
1: oh uh, my goodness david wellday our, our time is coming to a close. Give us your website information again, how people can reach you, how they can find your books. Again, the book that I've got in my hand today is Shaping Your Family Story, How Imperfect Parents Create Hope and Promise for Their Children. I think I like the subtitle as much as the other title. Mm-hmm. And then the other book is The Winning Mindset, How to approach people, problems, and situations and come out on top. How can people get a hold of these? Uh, Just reach out
0: to us online at www.ahigherlife.com. That's A-H-I-G-H-E-R-L-I-F-E.com. And once you get on that website, uh, you'll see sign up for a free book consultation uh, pop-up that'll come right up and that will connect you directly with my calendar and we'll schedule a time to have a conversation.
1: Well, we've got to schedule you back up for another conversation, my friend. David Wellday, my guest today, thank you for being here. And friends, thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.